You're listening to the NASM CPT Podcast with Rick Ritchie, winner of the Share Care Emmy Award for Social Storytelling and the official podcast of the National Academy of Sports Medicine. Hey, y'all, and welcome to the NASM CPT Podcast. Today, I have a guest that is with us, and she is the owner of Team Loco Fit. She's a first form elite trainer, a physique and bodybuilding coach, SME. This is a new product that just was launched at Optima 2022, the physique bodybuilding coach. And she's a subject matter expert where she wrote several chapters. She wrote several of the quizzes for the chapter. She contributed in multiple ways. And she is a physique coach herself. And the goals are not just physique, but they also happen to be a focus on the mental health portion of this as well. So let me introduce to you our guest, Lauren Conlon. Hi, Lauren. Hey, thank you so much. That was an amazing introduction. Um, I'm very excited to be here and talk all things physique coaching. And like you said, mindset, it's not just about the physical body changes, which of course is a very large part, but especially if we're talking about physique changes and physique athletes, there's a huge mental component there as well. Well, I want to get into it, but I'm going to let you tell us a little more about you, who you are, your story, a little bit of background, yeah. and then we're going to get into what you do. And I also certainly want to make sure that we're addressing the physique and bodybuilding coaching uh, product that we just put out. Yes. So I started competing in 2011 um, when I was 19 years old and I you know, started weight training in high school and I really, really loved it. I found a gym. My first gym ever was like a meathead gym, which I didn't know at the time. I thought that that was kind of like the norm, um, but I slowly or quickly realized actually that that was not the case. So I did my first show, went to Florida State for my undergrad, uh, helped out with research there as well, decided that I really enjoyed research. Um, I loved competing and, and blending those two things was what I wanted to do. So I actually started my coaching business in 2013 as an undergrad, and then I went to USF um, and worked under Dr. Bill Campbell for my master's. Mm. And um, there, my research focused on how different types of dieting affect weight loss and weight regain. So we looked at um, a flexible diet, so tracking macros versus a meal plan for a weight loss and a weight regain period. Um, and then at that period, during that period, I actually turned pro. So I got my ISCB pro card at 2014, um, continued to compete as a pro for four more years, and then um, have taken the business full-time ever since then. We have several coaches who work for the team as well. We're actually about to launch an app in two weeks. So a lot of different things going on that I do on a kind of day-to-day -day basis. I do work with First Form and do some education for them. And yeah, I go around, I speak, I do some writing, do a lot of different things in this space. Um, but really, I'm a coach and an educator at heart. So um, helping people in different ways and different capacities is, is truly my passion. Nice. Very good. I want to just do a quick little shout out for Bill Campbell. Who, yes. So when I was in South Florida, I was in Miami. I opened the an Equinox in South Beach. Oh, nice. uh, and I was there for a short period of time. But I had several of the trainers that ended up hiring who had been um, students of Bill Campbell's. Mm -hmm. And some of them, uh, I remember one guy in particular who did not go to school there, but just went up to take classes from him because he was such yes. an influential person there. I cannot say... Like he, when I say he changed the trajectory of my life, I truly mean it. Um, when I got there, I really had no idea kind of what I wanted to do. I was just like, oh, I like school. I'm good at this. I like research. And um, through those two years, not only, you know, learning so much about 
research and just you know science and our bodies in general but just him as a person and the conversations we had and how he just helped shape me as the person i am today um was, was truly incredible so the the work that they're doing there um the lab is so great like in 2013 when he called me i'll never forget this he's like i want to do female physique research and i'm like i'm at the i'm literally at the gym and i'm like bro there's like two girls at the gym like i don't know what you're talking about but i'm on board <laughs> like this sounds cool like everybody forgets now like because it's very normal but then it wasn't a, it wasn't quite so normal so um i'm like okay yeah we'll do uh, research on females sounds great um but how now, was it with recruiting then and, and back in then was it actually did you have a hard time finding people to participate so for my research we didn't we didn't do that but then after okay. i graduated in the lab got um you know some more some more footing um, they were able to do that. We now have some exclusive female physique-based research, um, which is pretty cool. And then we've also added in um, Dr. Buckner's there now as well, and he does amazing research as well. Yeah. So the whole program itself has really exploded, and it's so cool to see how you know it's really grown in those years. Now it's like, what, like eight years now. <laughs> um, in those eight years since I was there. All right. So talk to me about you as a coach. So ladies and gentlemen, again, this is Lauren Conlin and she is our guest today. She is a physique and bodybuilding coach and she does work on the mental portion of it too. So mm -hmm. before we get into the mental, well, no, no, I don't think it's before. I think they're correlated, but mm -hmm. I guess the question is what is coaching? I mean, mm -hmm. there, there are a lot of different coaches that are out there and you as a physique <laughs> coach, what does that mean to you? And what does that entail? So coaching, like you said, means a lot of different things to a lot of different people, right? For some people, it's just, hey, here's your plan, go execute it. Um, for some people, it's a very, it's a one-on-one -on -one relationship in terms of like being in person. Um, I work exclusively online. That's how our business works. So I do work with people all over uh, the country and, and different parts of the world as well. Um, but it really, to me, coaching is a relationship. So we have a primary goal and several objectives that we're working towards. And it's my job as the coach to facilitate that relationship and really guide the client in this unbiased, objective way. And a lot of times, as you know, whenever we're trying to make any type of behavior change, it is so hard and we can oftentimes be our own worst enemy. So having that objective lens, especially when we're talking about physique clients, I do work with lots of other athletes as well, you know, um, strength athletes, performance athletes, and tons of uh, lifestyle and general population clients as well. Um, but regardless, especially when we're talking about the physique client, they are getting so lean that we get what we would call like prep goggles, right? So you oftentimes are, can be your own worst enemy. So having a coach who is very unbiased and has your best interest at heart, um, it isn't just saying, oh yeah, let me just diet you for this next show. Let me just get you lean in eight weeks. Like anybody can do that once, maybe twice. But if we're looking at the career of an athlete and we're looking at not even even if they want to just do one show, I want the client to have the best experience they're on our team. I don't want them to have some awful crash diet that they now are dealing with these adaptations for months and maybe even years later. So looking at, OK, how can we create the best experience before, during and after for the client is really what coaching physique competitors is all about. All right. So I want to talk about this for a little bit. So as somebody who is engaged in fight sports and in fight mm -hmm. sports, there is oftentimes cutting weight. Yep. <laughs> and I believe that's the same thing in what you do. There's this portion where you need to cut weight. And at some point it gets pretty serious. Mm -hmm. uh, there are some people in the fight sports world that are like, look, just try to be at your close to your fight weight. Mm -hmm. um, and that's hard to do. It's hard to yeah. be that lean, and especially for you guys, because of fight weight, 
is a body weight percentage as a, I mean, mm -hmm. show weight is a percentage of body weight versus mm -hmm. fight weight, which is just a number on a scale. So I can yeah. lose whatever it can, mm -hmm. I can do whatever, but like for your shows and what you do, that is fat loss cutting. Yeah. Talk to me about <laughs> some of the, um, the, the difficulties that go along with that mm -hmm. for, for you as a coach, for mm -hmm. your clients who are dealing mm -hmm. with that? And what are some of the ways that you can kind of ease this process with them to make mm -hmm. it, you know, like not just one show and then you're like, okay, I've done the most miserable thing in my life and now exactly. I will never do it again. Like, <laughs> how do you get them to come back? Yeah, so first I would say that there is a really big distinction between making weight and, you know, getting ready for a physique competition. So making weight, like right. you said, is you're just trying to hit a target for one day. And typically there's going to be several hours or maybe even a full day afterwards before the event where you right. can rehydrate, refuel and gain that weight back, right? Um, for a physique athlete, there may be a weight cut. There are certain divisions where there is a weight limit, um, but a lot of them are not based on that. They're based on height. Um, so what we're really focusing on doing though is losing as much body fat as possible while keeping as much muscle mass as possible, which is a very different thing. If you were just to dehydrate somebody, you know, 15 pounds, they look awful. I mean, you know, like you look yes. awful when you've cut weight, right? It's not like a good look. I mean, you might have a hint of abs because you're super dehydrated, um, but that is not what we're trying to do for a bodybuilding show. So really setting the client up beforehand is absolutely necessary. A lot of people talk just about competition prep, you know, dieting and cardio protocols and all this, which are incredibly important and very useful. Mm -hmm. But if the client is coming into this in a bad space, we're going to have a really, really tough time prepping. So when I say that, what I mean is we want to spend several months building up their caloric intake, really establishing what true maintenance is and most likely being in a surplus, right? Because for most, I would say 95% of athletes, they need to build muscle. So a lot of people think that it's just a, a low body fat, which it is, but you have to have enough muscle mass as well. You can diet someone all the way down and they can be 10% body fat as a female, but if they don't have enough muscle, they're not going to be competitive. Now, of course, the, the levels of muscle are different. If we're talking about a bikini competitor versus a women's physique competitor, completely different story. But oftentimes, people have much more muscle than people need more muscle than they think they do, right? In, in certain okay. places. So, beforehand, we need to make sure that we're eating enough food to support recovery and building. We need to also make sure that we've dialed in all these behaviors because. If you, if you take someone who's kind of haphazardly eating, you know, maybe not really prepping their food, not really sure how to weigh stuff out, um, you know, kind of going to the gym a few days a week, but they might skip. You say, hey, we're going to start a contest prep where you need to be dialed in, you know, lifting five days a week, doing cardio every day, um, you know, taking these supplements, drinking this much water, doing this. They'll be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. So setting up the foundation beforehand to get yeah. all of those pieces in place really, really consistent, not only for me physique perspective, which is of course most important, but also from that psychological perspective to say, okay, when we do enter a contest prep, now this is a seamless transition. It doesn't make it any easier because it's always going right. to be hard to reach those body fat levels, but that's what you sign up for and you know that. Um, but the process can be much smoother um, and much more enjoyable when you've done all that front end work. So I would say that's probably one of the most important things. Um, if somebody is interested in competing, um, you know, if you've never done a show before, you know, somebody will come to us and say, hey, you know, I want to do the show in 12 weeks. I'm like, nope, <laughs> sorry, we are not the team for you. Um, you know, you're going to need several months beforehand and most people are going to need longer than 12 weeks to even diet. Um, that's a different conversation. <laughs> <Gotcha>. <laughs> or but we could talk about that, like, but yeah. This is like the... 
marathon training prep, right? Like you, you build up months and months in advance. You get your steps yeah. in, you get your miles in, you, you start building up. You don't just say, Hey, let me, let me make sure I can cut weight or, you know, and certainly not yeah. body fat in the last mm -hmm. week leading up to a competition. Yeah. Uh, so with that being said, like there are some things that I'm sure that are a lot of potholes for mm -hmm. uh, the new competitors that are coming yeah. onto the scene. Yes. What are some things that you see in some of the veteran competitors? What are the differences? And mm -hmm. even veteran competitors will use, I don't know, you, for example. They have mm -hmm. a coach. Like, why do they have a coach? They've been at it for a while. I would say one of the biggest things with coaching is the accountability. And again, kind of having that unbiased perspective. And especially when you are getting so lean and you, and you are an advanced competitor and say you're going for your pro card or you're trying to get a top, you know, pro placing, those little details really matter. You know, the, the rate of change as a new competitor is much higher um, than a veteran competitor, right? Somebody who's, who's very, very experienced. However, those tiny changes are really what distinguishes. Because if, if you look at a pro show, everybody looks good, right? It's not like, yeah. oh my gosh, this person come up here and it's like, whoa, like, the, you know, so there's, there's levels to everything. So when you're first starting out, there's a lot of change happening pretty quickly. But then as the advanced competitor, there are still things that are happening. They're just a lot smaller of a scale, but they're still just as important. Um, also, a lot of clients just simply want like, hey, I just want some, you know, help and accountability here. And how do I navigate these other aspects, right? Because sometimes a lot of what we're doing is not just, you know, the dietary changes. It's like, hey, how do we work through these challenges and these struggles this week? Okay, now that challenge, getting through that challenge and that struggle is actually what allowed you to be adherent. Like you might know, you know, quote unquote, what to do, but being able to implement it is very different. Um, so that's where a lot of the more advanced competitors will really enjoy coaching um, is to make those tiny changes that really, really move the needle um, to have that accountability, um, but also just to work through some of their other struggles. Like maybe they've gotten past, you know, hey, you know, they roughly kind of know how much they should be eating or how much cardio they should be doing. Um, but how can I work through these other challenges that maybe have held me back in previous preps? Gotcha. You know what, Lauren, I, I think it's funny we've been talking about this and at no point have we actually explained what a physique show is. So, <laughs> so there might be people who are like, I don't even know what they're talking about. Can you just it. give us yeah. a little information? Yeah. So a bodybuilding show essentially is going, there's different categories for men and women um, that range in leanness and muscularity. Um, so for example, for, for women, so bikini would be the least muscular and the highest body fat. However, if you were to look at a bikini competitor, you wouldn't say that they have no muscle and that they have a high body fat. But in comparison to, again, let's say a women's physique competitor, they're going to have significantly more muscle and less body fat in comparison. So the men have the same thing, you know, men's physique to bodybuilding um, and kind of everything in between. So there's going to be different divisions that require, you know, certain looks, um, different um, outfits. You know, there's going to typically be a suit, a two-piece suit for the women. Um, some divisions wear heels, some don't posing is very different, but essentially you are being judged on your physique and the criteria that you are competing in. Um, there's going to be a morning show and an evening show, and there is a set criteria for what they are looking for. However, with bodybuilding, uh, it is a subjective sport. So um, everybody is going to look a little bit different within those, you know, that, that criteria. And how you place is really going to be dependent on who you are next to. 
And I know that that is the hardest part for people when they're looking at subjective sports, because, um, you know, a lot of times people will, will see still shots or photos and they're like, oh my gosh, you know, that person looked amazing or they got robbed or this. When you're in person and you're watching a show, you're not just looking at that person as an individual, you're looking at them in comparison to everybody else there. And how does that uphold the standard? Sometimes it's very obvious. Other times it's a little bit more challenging. Um, but subjective sports, that's just the way that they go. So you have a criteria that you're going off of, but then you also have your own body that you're working with, right? So for somebody who, you know, say you need, you know, most divisions I would say would have, you know, you want some some shoulders, right? That's pretty like again the amount of shoulder mass that you need is going to depend on the division um, but if you have pretty narrow shoulders um, you're going to have to make your shoulders the priority right likewise if, if you don't really if your arms are naturally maybe a little bit larger and that is detracting from something else you might need to train arms less and train other body parts more right so it's about working not only within the um, the criteria for your division, but also your body type. Everybody has different muscle insertions. Um, everybody has just a different shape, different weaknesses and different strengths. So it really is about those types of things. So it is quite um, a unique sport in that sense. So it really is about like you versus you, um, but also within the um, the limits, I guess you could say, of the division. And then at some point people might outgrow what they call the division. So say you're somebody who has the propensity to build more muscle. Well, maybe you were a figure competitor, but now you're like, man, I'm really adding a lot of size in my off season. I think I'm gonna go to women's physique instead um, or vice versa, right? But then there's some people who you're just gonna have a better body type for a certain division. So it is pretty nuanced, but does that give a good explanation of yeah. bodybuilding? Yeah, it's it definitely things, does. Like, it's like, wait, how do I even describe this thing? You get a tan and this weird suit, <laughs> a lot of makeup and you're posing and it's like, what's going on? So, there's supposed to be like sequins, I think. And there's a maybe... lot of crystals, um, a lot of crystals <laughs> for the women at least. And a lot of tanner <laughs> for people yeah. like me. So, oh yeah. And then for the men, sometimes they're like the, the bikini bottoms and then sometimes they're the board short division. Yes. Yeah, so there's the different levels of muscularity. So um, men's physique would be kind of like the, the bikini for the men. So higher body fat, lower um, amount of muscle. Now, again, if you look at these people, you're like, they're shredded and jacked. <laughs> so it's not like that, but it is a very, there's much more of a, um, you're looking more at the upper body versus the legs. So that, that's why there will be the board shorts. Not to say that they don't have legs, they certainly do, but that's not the focus. Whereas then classic, the shorts get a little bit shorter, they have different requirements and then bodybuilding, they're the most muscular and the leanest and they have the smallest shorts, right? So it kind of goes in these, um, yeah. it's, it's a very unique, <laughs> unique sport. It is, and the subjectivity <laughs> is there for sure because mm -hmm. there are so many people that I've seen in the gyms throughout the years that have participated in these that go to competitions and they're just like local competitions too. And they don't rank very high. And I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> like you're the, yeah. in the gym, you're remarkable in the gym. You're the big dog. And then you go and you stand next yeah. to other big dogs and you're like, hmm. yeah. And to be fair, that's what we do talk about in um, this course. There's a lot that goes into peaking. Um, there's a lot that goes into the last, you know, weeks of, of contest preparation, um, how someone peaks, how they present themselves on stage and certain divisions that matters more than others. Some it's about how are you hitting these poses for others? It's like for bikini, it's like, how are you moving? How are you? How is your flow on stage? How is your presence? Um, so those things really matter. You can have the best physique possible. Um, but if somebody also has a good physique and they present themselves better on stage, they're going to win. 
Gotcha. And certain divisions will reward that more than others. And then, you know, say they look really great in the gym, you know, fully hydrated, you know, they had a refeed, you might've seen them on those days. Then maybe they did something crazy on peak week because they listened to, you know, somebody who maybe wasn't, wasn't as educated on what to do. And then they actually look in bodybuilding terms, soft, flat, spilled over, whatever it might be, right? Maybe their tan got ruined. Maybe there's so many different <laughs> facets. Oh man, so that's really disappointing. Like four, you know, four weeks out, you know, you see them at the gym, you're like, oh my God, this guy's going to win. And then he did something crazy for peak week and then he didn't get dark enough for his tan and then he didn't pose right. Well, he's not going to win. So that's where there's a lot of these layers. It's not like, oh, were you faster? Did you jump higher? Did you, like, there's a lot, that's where that subjectivity comes in. Um, But those things matter because if you're looking at two different people and one person is superior in in this way and you guys are pretty on par here, well, that's going to win. So it's confusing because it's like, wait, somebody won or lost because of the tan. It's like, it's not because of the tan, but it's because of the right. whole package and everything else, right? So it's it's a unique. So this is why people will have specific posing coaches. Yep. And I've always thought, you know, looking into them, like, that's so crazy. You have a posing coach. They teach you how to pose. And you're like, yep. you mean like, you know, and we, we do all these things because we make fun of the posing, just like my, my wife's an opera singer. And then we go, oh, and she's yeah. like, that's not opera. Right. <laughs> posing exactly. is a big deal. Right. Tell me a little yep. bit about why people will get those coaches and what do you do as a coach who focuses mm-hmm. on posing? Yeah, I would say that. So every division is going to have different requirements in terms of, um, you know, the mandate, what we would call the mandatory poses. And then also as you're doing your routine. So for some, it's a longer routine that is set to music and they have to hit specific poses. Others, it's a, it's a shorter routine and it's more about that flow. So each division is going to have its mm-hmm. own specific thing. Um, and having a posing coach or somebody who's going to help you is incredibly important because they are going to be able to look at your body and say, okay, based off of, you know, your structure here, you know, going back to that shoulder thing, right? Say yeah. somebody has really, really wide shoulders and it's, it's distracting. Well, they're going to need to pose a little bit differently than somebody who maybe doesn't have the shoulder width that might need to, you know, flare their lats a little bit and, and, and push their chest forward. So those tiny oh. details, it's all about the illusion, right? It's all about the illusion because nobody's just getting up there and just standing and going, Hey, do you like my physique? Like, no, I don't, nobody really looks good like that. Um, and so that's when, even when people will see pictures on social media, like, Oh my God, how does this person look like that? It's like, they're hitting a pose, you know, they're not just standing there. It's kind of like a model. Yeah. Like, models look a certain way and then they hit a pose and you're like oh my gosh it looks amazing so it's the same thing in that sense you know what i mean um and it's not very intuitive and for some of the women divisions you are wearing heels for bikini and figure so that is a whole added thing okay. right because a lot of people who get into this are you know they're they're comfortable in the gym they enjoy this whole process they like dieting they like lifting weights and then you're like hey um we got to pose and smile and hold in your stomach and hit all these poses perfectly while wearing five inch heels and they're like what (laughs) so that is a whole different thing like you have to get used to that so i would say that posing is is incredibly important because like we touched on before you can have one of the best physiques but if you don't nail your presentation right you're going to get overlooked um and that's something that takes time some people pick it up really quick i mean i've worked with some people for posing who have never done a show before but they immediately within a session or two pick it up a lot of times those people have had like dancing backgrounds or you know something like that where they kind of have a lot of body awareness um other people 
you know, bless their heart, they try really, really hard and they have a lot of lessons and it's just, it's something that takes them a lot longer. I was somebody like that too. Like literally it took me so long um, to even get remotely comfortable hitting these types of poses in the heels. So I would say that everybody is gonna have a different trajectory in terms of how their their posing goes and how, how they feel comfortable with it. But the more that you do it, the better that you're going to get. Um, and then there's also just the fact of being on stage. Like a lot of people, I know this sounds really silly, but you you understand what it is, but you don't yeah. really visualize what it is. Like you're you have to really think about before you get up there. Like you are walking out in a very tiny outfit and you are looking at a panel of judges and they're judging what you look like. And that sounds, well, that's obvious. That's what bodybuilding is. But a lot of people haven't mentally rehearsed that. And then when they get up there, they're like, mm. oh my, wait, people, everybody's staring at me? Like, whoa. So a lot of right. it, you know, like anything with sports is visualization. So visualizing, I'm like, even if you haven't done this before, you can visualize a stage and lights and people, right? It, it's going to look different when you do it. Like now I can visualize, I can crystallize almost every show that I've done, what that looked like. But even if you've never done a show before, you can still go through this process. And as you're practicing, like if you start to feel a little nervous, that's good. That's a sign that you're actually visualizing properly. And I'd rather you be nervous in your office or downstairs in the kitchen than on the day of the show. And then you get up there and then you're like smiling with like three teeth and you're like shaking. And <laughs> listen, that happens too, right? I'm not gonna I've had so many shows. I've had shows even as a pro that I've come out and been, I mean, I remember one show I came out, it was horrible like it was absolutely horrible everything that could have gone wrong that day did and i barely I almost didn't even get on stage because i was like wow. a few things happened so literally like i got up there and i was like and even my dad you know he's been to all my shows but he, he, he doesn't oh. know he's like uh what's going on like he didn't look like he just knew something, something was off i was like yeah it was it wasn't my best showing and i appreciate it um but like <laughs> you know and even someone like that who has seen seen stuff but doesn't really know could still even tell like that didn't look right. So visualizing and practicing beforehand is so important, not just the physical poses, but also that presence yeah. and understanding that you are going to be judged. And oftentimes the best part is anybody's watching this, they'll see the judges will be like, like, you're like, hey, do you like not like me at all? Like it is, it is very intimidating. Uh, A lot of times the judges come out and they're just like, just kind of stone cold face. Like they're not like smiling, like, oh yeah, good job. You know, so oh, the like, poker face from the judges. I don't like it. So that can be really distracting and uncomfortable mm -hmm. for a lot of people as well. So all these things go into it. And that's part of what experience is. It's part of what coaching is um, and just getting out there and doing it. All right. So, Lauren, I have one more question. Ladies and gentlemen, yeah. this is Lauren Conlin. She is a contributor to the physique and bodybuilding coaching course that we have at NASM. So I guess the last thing as we wrap up is how did you get involved in the PBC? And then mm -hmm. can you tell us a little more about what people can expect from mm -hmm. this new course from NASM? Yeah. So bringing it back to Dr. Bill Campbell, he, uh, I guess, was in touch with you guys and uh, recommended me as somebody who would be a contributor. And then I got on a call with Brian and that, the rest is history. So um, basically, that's how I got involved was because um, Dr. Campbell recommended me very highly and then figured out what chapters would be the best to um, 
to work on. And I was very, very blessed of the chapters that I got to um, got to write. So it was so incredible. And honestly, you tell us this, which chapter did you contribute? Yeah. So I wrote the coaching principles chapter. So it was um, very much, you know, the kind of application of, okay, taking the science, what we understand, but also the years of coaching. I've been coaching for almost 10 years now. How do we bring this together? Because I didn't just want this to be another chapter regurgitating some, some research, which there's nothing wrong with that, but how do we actually apply this in the real world? Um, and then I co-authored, uh, I believe it was, what was the name of the chapter? It was like a long name. I believe it was chapter 10. Um, Brandon Roberts wrote the majority of it. And then I wrote the um, initial assessment. It was one of the assessment chapters and he wrote a lot of the body statistic um, assessments. And then I wrote kind of that initial consult, you know, how you would you know frame that, talk to a client, et cetera. Um, so yeah, the course is is phenomenal because it really breaks everything down. The beginning is is pretty science heavy, but not in a um not in a too tough like it's a, easy to understand but it is challenging enough right to where you can actually understand what's going on and then it's getting more into the programming right for exercise and dietary um different things there some of the assessments how you would run things basically how to be a physique coach and then the end is a lot of the practical application we even go into there's a whole peak week chapter um that was phenomenal written by dr dr scott stevenson so it's really the full aspect of everything you know what i mean like it's the beginning of like science programming application and so when somebody takes this course they can walk away very confident and say okay i have a great understanding of how to blend both science and application how like i understand the how behind things and the why and now i can actually apply this to my clients um and this has been very very needed in our industry because there are still a lot of very not so great practices um in the yeah. industry um with in particular with the physique world and um you know it's definitely gotten a lot better since since i started i mean even just 10 years ago or however long that 10 12 years ago um it's gotten significantly better but we still have a lot of room to grow here um and there's a lot of people who are interested in coaching competitors who maybe feel like i i know enough but i want to learn from maybe some experts in both scientific field as well as um you know the coaching field a lot of the contributors were also coaches as well so it was a really really cool project to be a part of and to see everyone who was um interconnected whether they were writing or editing or both um it was it was really really awesome so that's what wow. you can expect um science programming and application and be able to actually apply this right away to your clients um and not feel um you know like you're doing them a disservice because it really is the full picture of course and what I love about this too is this is this is an example of NASM listening to feedback about what people want. So so mm -hmm. many times the years and years past, we used to just be like, hey, this is what we think people should know. And now what we're doing is we're trying to find out what people want to learn, like how do I become a physique and bodybuilding coach? Mm -hmm. And then they say, okay, now let me get some of the top subject matter experts, some of the researchers, some of the people who have been on stage yeah. and doing the coaching in real life. And let's put all of these brains together and have them write chapters and have them contribute and have them point out the research, but then also add in, as you talked about the practical applications, how do you yeah. actually coach people to make it happen? Because you can read the research, but you're like, okay, exactly. now I've read the research, but how do I coach that? How do I, how do I put it into practice? And that's where some of these other chapters come into play, yeah? 
Absolutely. I would say that that is the biggest distinguisher here. It's not just another certification to learn, you know, how carbohydrates are metabolized, right? Like that's mm -hmm. important. Um, but it's also important to understand, okay, how do I program for this? How do I make adjustments? How do I coach a client through a challenge that they're trying to navigate? All of those things are touched on in the course and explained through both the lens of scientific rigory as well as application from a coaching perspective. I love it. Lauren Conlin, thank you so much for being here and being a guest on the NASMCPT podcast. Can yeah. you let people know where they can find you on social, however you want them to, to, to know where you are? Let them know. Yes. Thank, first of all, thank you guys again for having me on. This was so fun. Um, I would love to do it again. So my social media is L-A-U-R-I-N. C-O-N-L-I-N, so Instagram, uh, YouTube. We have a podcast called The Loco Fit Show. Our team Instagram is at Team Loco Fit. And our website is teamlocofit.com where you can find all that information on our coaching services as well as our app will be there as well. Fantastic. Lauren, thank you so much for being here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for watching. I appreciate it. If y'all have questions for me, feel free to reach out. You can hit me up on Instagram at dr.rickritchie or email me at rick.ritchie at nasm.org. Y'all keep inspiring people to fitness. I appreciate who you are and what you do. This has been the NASM CPT Podcast.